Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Welcome to the Madhouse Podcast, my name is Joey and with me today is the man who is talking to me remotely from roughly 20,000 miles away if you take the scenic route or just 20 miles if you don't or if you take the scenic solar route it's more like 19 million miles and we're doing it all through the miracle of modern technology, it's Jimmy Faulkner. Oi oi, ain't technology marvellous? It is until we just had to start a take two again. Because uh, yeah, our podcast recording machine did not start ticking along. So I'm going to have to read the instructions again at some point. Well, yeah. Also, I just want to flag another issue. Yeah. You said on your intro there, uh, joining me today is Jimmy Fortner, like I'm some sort of guest. Did I not say joining me again today? Yeah, but you make, you're making me sound like a guest. I'm pretty sure I'm the co-host. All right. Well, I'll change that for the future. I think I've said that on every episode. Well, so he's joining me it. once again. Joining me once again today <laughs> is my co-host yeah. and lover. Jim, did I take it too far? Then I took it too far. Yeah, there was a, there was a line and you just stepped over it. But I know it's all good. Yeah. So this is take two because the first recording uh, fucked up. I must have done something wrong, but I can't figure out what it was. We're definitely ticking along now, so I apologise. Yeah, and as you said, we are 21,000 miles apart. Is that correct? Is that the correct stat? Yeah, the circumference of the Earth is 21,000 miles, but because we're a bit north, it'll be less, so I said 20. But you're actually about 20 miles away. Well, yeah, I, I like I like to take the scenic route, though. Okay, yeah, well, you might the solar system, uh, I've, I've found 90 million miles. Uh, that sounds like a lot, but uh, I mean we're going pretty fast. I think the Earth travels at about seventeen thousand miles an hour. Didn't um, the Proclaimers sing a song about this? I will uh, fly through the solar system twenty thousand miles, and then I will fly through twenty thousand miles more. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, it was a hit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a hit. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, good on, good on you lads. Well done. Ahead of their time. This is not the best intro in the world. This is just a tribute. We well, we didn't record the best intro in the world. <laughs> so, so let's move on. Oh, we had some really good stuff in that first take about the moon and the sun and the earth and space, but now no one will ever know. And we remember we came up for that yeah. cure for cancer and we cured uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, and I've forgotten now, and uh, we didn't record it, so that's lost forever as well. Oh, it's just That's just the way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, we'll probably think of something good to cure something else later on. So this film barely made any money, from what I can yeah, see. Not, not surprised. I didn't find any release de- details. Did Do you know anything about where this film was released? I couldn't see anything. It did. It did the. Uh, it did the the festival run, the movie festival run around America, England, 
Germany, Belgium, Spain, Greece, all that sort of places. And then I think it just went like straight to the things don't go straight to DVD now, do they? Or do they? Do they just go straight to a streaming I, thing like Netflix or whatever? Uh, yeah, it's one or the other. I think the uh, straight to DVD has now been pushed down another level. Like there was League One cinema, then it was straight to DVD. Yeah. And now there's a streaming service that's been sandwiched in between. So straight to DVD is now third place. So that's so straight to DVD was shit, and, yeah. and now, and now there's another. Now there's another. Now there's a straight to streaming services, which is somehow good. Yeah. And now, even after that, then DVD, then it's like double shit, it's double shit sandwich and yeah. wank on toast. Yep. Limp biscuit. Which is. Yeah, which is a bit, it's a bit shit because I love a DVD, and yes, a lot of a lot of films do, are shit that go straight to DVD. But going, oh, I, guess, I don't know. I'm just, I'm... I guess what's really yeah, is happening is that there is temporarily these three places: cinema, Netflix, DVD. But Netflix isn't second, and the cinema isn't first or second. They're fighting for that one spot. And cinemas are probably yeah. going to lose or they're going to have to share that space and cinemas are going to have to deal with that because there is a big fight going on with cinemas uh, trying not to let things into the Oscars that are straight to Netflix. So Netflix, like The Irishman, they released it for like two weeks at select cinemas so they had a chance at the Oscars. Cinemas yeah. are like, they're like fighting change. What they need to do is come up with some deals with these Netflix uh, sorry, streaming services like Netflix. So if Netflix are making original films or have got the license for films, then they will do a deal. So it is at the cinema for a short while and then it goes to the streaming services. All cinemas are going to end up going bankrupt and dying. Especially absolutely if this pandemic goes on for a few more months because everyone's signing up for streaming services and no one's going to the cinema. Well, yeah, well, yeah there's, there's, there's going to be a... A not too distant future, where probably when your boys are, I don't know, our age, where there there ain't going to be a cinema, is there? Yeah, I, well, I think there might be, but I don't know how it will work because it will be a shame if there's not the big screen. It's like an experience I think people still want, but they they can't afford it and they don't want it as much. Because well, I'll tell you what, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be Netflix. You'll be going to a cinema to to watch Netflix. Yeah, they'll release it on the the cinema streaming service for three weeks before they release it on their home streaming service. Yeah, but it'll be, I tell you what, they want to get me on the phone because it'll be a big cinema screen, but only like two seats in there. (laughs) Why? You know what I mean? Like a sofa, it'll be a sofa and you can ring up your dominoes or whatever, whatever kind of takeaway you want. And it will bring you in, and then it will start the film on the big screen, and it's just like two people just watching it. And there'll be hundreds and hundreds of these screens in one giant building. Now you had me up until that bit, but I don't think that's going to work. Netflix are going to get me on a blower in a minute, I tell you. Do you know what my prediction is for the streaming services? You know, we had... Um, Go on. You could buy all these different... Uh, mostly in the US, we didn't really have it here. You could buy your different channels. You can buy your sports channels. You can buy this channel. Yeah. And then you get these, this cable comes along and says, if you buy this cable package, you can get all these channels, but because we get them all together, it'll be a bit cheaper for you. 
And then everyone's ditched that because it's too expensive and gone for streaming services. So you got Netflix and Amazon Prime, and now you got Disney Plus, and there's going to be more. There are more already. Britbox, loads of different ones. And it's going to be too expensive for everyone to have all of them, but people are going to want to watch stuff off of all of them. So some company is going to come along and basically be like a new streaming cable service thing and start going, you can buy this streaming package and we're going to go full circle and end up spending 40 quid a month on Sky streaming packages. But for the modern age with Netflix and Prime and shit. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. Yeah. Uh, okay, facts about this film. It was filmed in Hemingborough in North Yorkshire. That's England, isn't it? That is in England, yes. Uh, very English film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, barely, barely made any money from what I can see anyway, but I, I suspect it went straight to streaming services, so it's hard to get any figures about anything because no streaming service shares anything, which makes our job at the intro of these films that went straight to streaming... Harder. The older ones, loads of box office figures. Different countries. You can see how well films performed. But now, and I sound like an old grumpy git here, you can't tell what's doing what where. Because the, the government's <laughs> hiding it all from us. Uh, and they're taking using 5G towers to take our brainwaves or something. Damn Lovely. kids yeah. and their streaming services. God damn it. Should we do a plot slot? Yeah, let's do it. I'm just oh, checking. Hold on. Have we, uh, we have said what film this is, haven't we? Await further instructions. I'd, we have done, but maybe it was in the first intro. It's Await Further Instructions. It was Jimmy's Choice, directed by Johnny yes. Kevorkian, written by Gavin Williams, released in 2018. Did you say October on the first take? I think that was when it. Yeah, I think that's when it either went to fake DVD slash streaming. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I mean, the episode title will be the film title anyway. So, uh, but sorry if you've waited ten minutes just to hear us uh, finally tell you what film we're doing. <laughs> Did you like the film, Jimmy? It was your choice. The first time I watched it, I thought this. I thought it was really, really good. And then looking into it and watching it again, um, I I realised I was blinded by it and. It maybe it's not as good as I thought it was. Okay. Uh, I think in our deleted outtake, amazing intro that no one will ever hear, you said the word naff. <laughs> second, not a bit naff <laughs> on the second watch. And I said, yeah, I thought that on the first watch, but I I do have reasons because I enjoyed it as, as well. There's things I like and things I don't like about this film and they are clear to me what they are. It's not an ambiguous... Uh, I, I kind of liked it, but it felt a bit naff. I, I have reasons that we will go into later. Yeah. Uh, do we have permission to go to plot slot now? Or do you have anything else to say? No, let's do it. All right. Well, you kick us off, as is tradition. Okay, you've got the time already. I'm awaiting further instructions. <laughs> yeah, wait for further instructions. Okay, time is going. Okay, England, Christmas. Stuck in your house with family. Much like now. Nick brings his new girlfriend, Angie, home for Christmas. Both have not been greeted very warmly. Reports of power surges on the telly and the fact Angie can't get no signal on her phone drop a subtle hint of what's going to occur. 
Enter Nick's racist pregnant sister Kate and her boyfriend Scott, who is an oaf. The family are all here. The TV flashes up with a local report that there could have been a terrorist attack. Cue Grandad chiming in with yet another racist remark. This family is an absolute joy. (laughs) Nick and Angie plan on leaving because they are clearly not welcome, but Angie wants to stay. Fair play. We'll point out here, Angie is what Nick's family would probably describe as less white than ideal. (laughs) Wow, I thought you were going to say something else, but yes, you are correct. Because, yeah, that's why they're a She's She's a lovely Indian lady, isn't she? Let's put it that way. Yeah, she's hot. And she's, uh, like, well, yeah, I'll probably come up later, but she's trained in, uh, she's a nurse, isn't she? And there's another guy, uh, yes. uh, Scott. Scott is has had some medical training, but everyone keeps turning to him instead of her, uh, probably because he's a man and white. Yeah, I think he's just one of them. He, I think he's just a porter. Yeah. Anyway. Nick and Angie are up early to escape this dreaded family Christmas, but are greeted by some strange black metal blocking the outside of the front door. The windows are all blocked too. Nick tries to break it with an axe. That don't work. And then enter the prick dad. He comes down to fix it, but naturally fails. The family throw out some wild theories to why they are trapped. Nick checks the telly. Every channel has the same message. Stay indoors and await further instructions. More wild theories are thrown out there. Emergency broadcast channel. It's a nuke, etc, etc. They check the internet. That's down. Tony then goes to Scott to make sure that if anything happens, Scott will back him up. And in Tony's words, protect the herd like a couple of human shepherds. The family assemble in the living room, believing that this is all some sort of terrorist attack. And and the the only the, the way to defeat this is the British way is to carry on with Christmas dinner. But wait, message on the TV changes. All your food is contaminated. Eat nothing. After more in-family fighting, the message on the TV changes again. Decontaminate yourself. Strip and scrub all flesh with household bleach. Yeah, that would sting. After the awkward bleach scrubbing, the family meet once again in the living room. After an apology slash not apology from Tony, Dick, packages of syringes land in the fireplace. The message on the TV changes once again. Use trial vaccination kits. Atmosphere polluted. Angie warns of the risks of unsterilized medical equipment, but Tony injects himself anyway. Dick. Followed by Scott. Stupid Dick. Granddad. Old Dick. Mum. Misguided dick. And then Katie, racist dick. <laughs> Nick and Angie and Jack. Fat dick. What? Fat dick. <laughs> Nick... She's pregnant, isn't she? Yeah, she is, yeah. <laughs> because of Scott's fat dick. <laughs> Nick and Angie inject <laughs> the last one. two, fearing they have no other choice. They are very much pressured into that. Absolutely, 100%. Now safe. Oh, wait, No. Grandad starts to shake and vomit blood. Boom, he's dead. The message once again changes. 
vaccine procedure complete. Return all clinical apparatus via the access slot. Angie and Nick try to find a way out, but the black metal is everywhere. Scott tries to prise open the access slot in the front door, the oafish moron. But instead of rescue, he loses a few fingers. Boom, straight off. Forever throwing out that shaka bra. <laughs> uh, message reads on the TV, one of your numbers is infected. Isolate them. Let's take a guess who this racist family wants to decide is infected, thus isolating. That's right, you got it, Angie, the brown one. The family vote to quarantine her, <laughs> but Nick comes in with some lampshade swinging violence. He fails, and they lock her in a room with the now deceased granddad's body, because they haven't got any more rooms, obviously. Through the door, Angie convinces Nick to turn the TV off, believing that someone is watching them through it. Nick unplugs the TV. The family do not like this one bit, and Scott attacks Nick. With Kate egging him on, she gets caught in the crossfire and is knocked over the banister. Bang! Breaking her femur. Very fucking severely. Scott freezes, and Tony decides this is the perfect time to go and work in his study. Another classic British way. Beth tries asking the TV for help. Nick asks Medic Angie what to do. Apparently, it's not looking good. Nick smashes a hole behind the toilet. And, uh, well, someone's been cooking something strong for him. (laughs) (laughs) He pokes his head through the hole to find any means of escape. So the hole he pokes is cut is basically where the waste pipe goes. He knocks chips next to it. This causes an alarm to sound and the TV message to change to survivors must not breach parameter. Nick's phone has recorded something strange. Naturally, Tony and his lapdog, Scott, don't like this, so they tie Nick up and don't even look at the phone. Yeah, I know, morons. Message reads, extract information from sleeper agent. Tony gets his tools out, thinking that Nick is the sleeper agent and begins some torture with his old mate, Stanley. Just before Tony can pop Nick's eye out with a flathead screwdriver... A cry comes from downstairs from the misguided mother that's alerting them to the death of Kate. Dun, dun, dun! How bad have you got to be to torture your own son after, like, 40 minutes of being locked in your house? Oh, my God. (laughs) Tony is a massive prick. Meanwhile, Angie has managed to prise up one of the weird black metal cables that have surrounded the house. It appears to be a fibre optic lens of some kind. She hooks up an old telly to find a timer counting down from 23 minutes. Message reads, security breach, activate quarantine bedroom one. And then it flashes up again in a bit saying, activate quarantine bedroom two. Black smoke starts to fill the rooms. Message reads, All survivors return to the ground floor. Angie removes the back of the old TV to find some kind of black cable-like creature resembling some sort of black heart thing pumping in the back of this old-style telly. And then the top floor begins to fill with the black smoke. Nick rescues Angie but fails to save his mum, who explodes spectacularly. They barricade themselves in the living room 
Nick unplugs the TV again, but this time it stays on. He goes to smash it, but the house shakes and the message reads, I am reborn. I bring salvation. Resurrection. Tony thinks this is God. Madman. Kate. Slash what? Slash dick, I was going to say. But there's no visual cues while we're doing this over phone, so we keep interrupting each other like that. (laughs) Oh, well. Kate's stomach begins to move, and Tony's now gone completely batshit, and he's praying um, uh, as the TV flashes up names of what Scott and Kate were going to call the baby. Tony grabs Angie, and Scott grabs Nick. The message reads, make a sacrifice to save the unborn. Tony tries to kill Angie, but Nick fights off Tony while she attempts to perform a C-section to save Scott's baby. Tony floors Nick, so Scott steps up to get in the way of Angie saving his baby and gets an axe in the chest. And another for good luck. Tony begins to choke out Nick, but Angie comes to the rescue and twats him off. Nick slams the TV down onto his head. We're out of Boom, time. That's the end. Carry on. Oh, no. Oh, the TV rises itself and reveals its strange tentacle inner workings. The strange black metal that has been surrounding the house now becomes tentacles and pierces the back of dead Tony's neck, controlling him like a bizarre puppet. Nick comes to the realisation that this strange capable creature can't kill them, but in fact needs them. The cable monster burns all the flesh off of Kate's dead body until she is just bone and revealing the baby left lying in Kate's skeleton. A TV placed down next to the baby by puppet Tony shows a message. Hello Ruby, worship me. The end. We ran over. Lovely. And then we have, a nice little, we have a nice little shot of it going out onto the street and all the houses are covered in the weird, wiry, cable-type jism, whatever it is. Yeah. It, this uh, thing had obviously been, uh, I think, weeding out the weak. That's why Grandad died. Weeding out the... Uh, yeah. It had been purposefully dividing the families to find out who would be easy to manipulate and be loyal. Right. And was hoping to be left with people that would worship it. And Ruby is now being indoctrinated from a baby. Lovely. She is our saviour. Or our downfall. Either way, both both going to end up the same, isn't it? Yep. Right. Should we go for Frights and Delights? Yeah, let's do it. Frights and Delights. Right, here we go. It's Frights and Delights. What have you got first up? Not lots. There's uh there isn't really any info out there about backstories, in stories, fun stories, making of stories. Um Holly Weston and Sam Gittins had been in a film called Howl in twenty fifteen where their train they were on broke down and was attacked by werewolves. Have you seen it? No. No, no, I haven't. I keep, I keep flicking past it on. It's on Prime, I think. I keep flicking past it though. Nah, maybe, maybe a watch, maybe one to avoid based on what you thought of people's performances. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's, it, well, well, it sounds up my street. Yeah, I think. Oh, I know. Um, the only 
interesting thing I have is something we've already discussed about the two experiments that this film has strong influences from. Okay. Because when the mother is pleading to the television, she reveals that the family name is Milgram. The Milgram was an American psychologist called Stanley Milgram who did an experiment that's now called the Milgram Experiment. And they also live on uh, Stanford Street, which is the Stanford yes. Prison Experiment for famous psychological experiments. So, I mean, I'm ready to go straight on to talking about the Milgram Experiment and for you to go on about the Stanford as we have divided the labour. But do you have anything else yeah, go on, to say beforehand? No, I was I was just gonna I was just gonna ask your opinion on what the um what we think the entity or creature or alien or whatever it was that was uh that was the the monster in the I'm film. Going I with, to see what you're... I'm going with alien invasion. Okay, yeah, okay. Because yeah. it's technology. Yeah. Yes. It is. It's being controlled. It obviously yeah. has intelligence and all that technology that it's using to encase, I'm assuming, every home in the world, or at least the UK. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't just hide that and then land it overnight. You have. I think they were up in space and appeared or did a little bit of a Star Trek and just appeared. <laughs> So I, I'm going with um, alien invasion and they need slaves, basically. And the, the best way to get slaves is for people to not think they're slaves, think that they're worshipping a, a god or something. Okay, well, I'm going to go on a, on a on a different tip Okay. for what I think it is. So I think it is it's more of a... Um, more of a um, kind of a uh, the 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 technology and things like tellies and phones uh where we are now they control us massively everybody's on their phones everybody's watching telly oh yeah the whole film's like a social commentary on uh the way we That's are it. and the one. way forward that we could be going yeah, so I don't think it is actually aliens. I think it's actually in the TVs, and it's and it's maybe it's not an actual thing, but it is showing the fact that we are massively controlled by by the technology now, and that we are not we're not we're not in control of our of ourselves anymore because we've always got something there to tell us what the weather's going to be like to tell us what your opinion should be or tell us what we should be eating tell us what we should be doing when we should be exercising you've got all these things that alexa put this on or cortana or whatever the fuck people say do this what shall i be doing now tell me a joke oh yeah that's definitely um but within the film they're they're kind of using that as a story technique but the the their house is definitely surrounded by something as well so that has to be something that's using the fact that we're so used to just looking at screens and following orders i think it's using it it's using all that against us like this alien race that's attacking might check every race on every planet for how they exist i don't think 
aliens. I don't think it's aliens because we all know that they're lovely. I think it's uh, an embodiment of 5G. <laughs> it's physical 5G. <laughs> okay. Okay. Little black cables, it's physical 5G. Okay. Should we do our experiments? Nah, where's my foil hat? <laughs> yeah, what? Sorry? <laughs> Should we do our experiments? Not literally. Yeah, we'll go for it. it. Well, I wrote this up this afternoon, uh, and it's both of them are, are very detailed experiments. So we we could do like three episodes on each if you wanted to. So I'm I'm gonna do a what feels like a quick one, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna do a quick one. So this is the Milgram experiment, and uh, in 1961 at Yale University, the American psychologist Stanley Milgram conducted a series of tests to determine how people react to authoritative figures and how far people will go in the name of following orders. This was following the trial of a World War II Nazi piece of shit, Adolf Eichmann, who was one of the Nazis responsible for the planning and execution of the Holocaust, resulting in the deaths of millions of Jews. He used the excuse, as did other ranking Nazi members, that he was not responsible for all his war crimes because he was just following orders. In Milgram's that old chestnut, yeah, that's where that kind of yeah, tropes of someone goes. I was just following orders. That, that's where it comes from. Those those trials after World War Two. They're French, are they? <laughs> was that a French accent? Sounded very French, Ryan. Uh, well, I, he was trying to blend in with French <laughs> people. Anyway, in Milgram's experiment. There were three participants, two actors and one subject. The subject believed they were part of a different experiment in which a learner was being tested by a teacher guided by an experimenter, the subject being the teacher. The fake aim was to see if punishing failure can assist learning. The learner slash actor, who was in another room, was asked to memorise pairs of words. When the teacher, who was the, the person who's actually being experimented on, asked them over the mic to respond to one word they had to recite from memory the corresponding word that it was paired with, yeah? So if we had the word pairing, dick and head, and I said to you, dick, if you said anything other than head, I would give you an electric shock. Right. So the actor wouldn't really receive an electric shock. That's just what the, the, the subject thought was happening that they were giving an electric right. shock. For every wrong answer, the electric shock was increased all the way up to a possibly lethal dose of electricity. On the board the subject oh. was using to shock the learner, there were labels on the separate shock buttons. These labels went from slight shock to moderate shock, strong shock, very strong shock, extreme shock, severe shock, and the last button was just labelled with three X's. They all had their corresponding voltages on them as well. So these guys knew what they were doing. Yeah, that seems like a lot of dials, though. It's the 60s. It's like it was like Starship Enterprise in there. Well, it it sounds very spinal tap. Yeah, all that. I should have got that was a cooler reference. Yeah, this is this is this goes up to 11, but because well, why not make 10 louder? But it goes up to 11. Yeah. Depends if they I were mean, testing this one the ability X, of the X, crowd's uh, ears. Then you yeah. want to know at different increments how far you can push them. 
so the real aim yeah. of this experiment was to see how far someone will go when a figure of authority is telling them to do it and that it's okay to do it. The subject is in a room with the experimenter, who is the scientist running the experiment, who is telling them to carry on despite the screams from the actor in the other room. So the subject thinks they're really torturing someone. The actor slash learner is connected to the subject through a microphone and is yelling and screaming in pain and begging for them to stop, while the authoritarian experimenter is pushing them to go further and administer the highly painful doses of electricity because it's for the science uh, experiment. They've signed up for it. How far will people go before they stand up and say no, before their morals take over and they say enough is enough instead of continuing to hurt others just because they're told to is basically the experiment. Yeah. Milgram did this experiment a few times, testing about 40 people each time. 100% of people went up to 300 volts. That's the button labelled as intense shock. 65% of normal everyday Westerners like you and me sat in that room and administered 435 to 450 volts. That was the highest setting beyond the button labelled severe shock. This was the next button that was just labelled as XXX. A possible lethal dose with the actor yeah, learner screaming and begging for it to stop. Yeah, they, they took it to 11, knowing that 11 was very, very loud. So this is a very simplified explanation of that experiment. You could do a three-hour episode on just the Milgram experiment. I'm sure you could on the Stanford Prison Ex- Experiment as well. But if you want to know more, there is a documentary called The Milgram Experiment on YouTube. It's about 45 minutes long. There's full of detail, describes a lot of the psychology that's involved in the experiment and what is and what this showed us about the complicit nature of humans within that social structure. And honestly, it's quite scary. We saw it on a large scale in World War Two, not just with the uh, the officers carrying out murder, a mass murder, genocide. Uh, normal citizens in towns near these uh, camps were turning a blind eye uh, to the fact that a lot of Jews were going in and, and none were ever coming out. And there was a bonfire every day, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's the name of the family in the film. And you can see it happening. They're, uh, they're testing the social structure of that family and the person in charge is being told to do stuff and not long until he's torturing his son in a bedroom for information just because some bloody words came up on the TV. And that seems like the authoritative voice in the room is, is that being on the television and they think he thinks it's the government, doesn't he? So he thinks the government's telling him yeah. this stuff. So it's yes, okay. It's does, okay to do it. The government's telling me to. It's all right. Yeah, and he he goes he goes straight away. He's like yeah, straight off the back. Like five minutes into this situation, and he has gone. He goes straight to Beefcake and goes, "Look, I need you. You know, you got to back me up all the way here. I'm in charge." Yeah, straight away. It's also a character flaw of his because he hated his son anyway. You could tell he's not a fan of his son at all. Well, yeah, I think his son was his son was the clever one and got the fuck out of there. Didn't go back for years. Yep, because they're all fucking weird, racist, racist granddad, racist fucking sister, beefcake husband. (laughs) Yep, dad's a mentalist. Mum's fucking living a Stepford wife life. Yep. 
Right. Are you going to tell me about Stanford? Yeah, it's, yeah. I'll tell you a little quick bit. It's a bit. Uh, it's it's kind of similar. Uh, so Stanford Prison Experiment was a social psychology experiment experiment that attempted to investigate the psychological effects of perceived power, focusing on the struggle between prisoners and prison officers. It was conducted at Stanford University. Uh, August 14th to the 20th in 1971 by research group led by psychology professor Philip Zambardo. So he used college students. Uh, in the study, volunteers were assigned to be the guards or prisoners by the flip of a coin and set up in a mock prison with Zambardo being the superintendent. Uh, several prisoners left mid-experiment, and the whole experiment was abandoned after six days. Early reports on the experimental results claimed that students quickly embraced their assigned roles, with some guards enforcing authoritarian measures and ultimately subjecting some prisoners to psychological torture. While many prisoners passively accepted psychological abuse and by the officer's request actively harassed other prisoners who tried to stop it. The experiment has been described in many introductory social psychology textbooks, although some have chosen to exclude it because its methodology is sometimes questioned. So it's basically uh -huh. they're putting people in a role of power and people who are in not haven't got any power aren't they basically and saying seeing how how uh how the person in power reacts to the person who has got no power isn't it i just remember now i've listened to a whole podcast episode about stanford prison experiment once i just remembered uh, something about sleep deprivation as well i think they were like taking away beds so they had nothing but concrete floor because they were in proper cells and everything weren't they Yes, it was. Yeah, they. I think they built up like a little mock prison. Yeah, and it didn't take long for shit to turn to shit. Well, no, it only lasted. It only lasted six days, and it. Yeah, and like the the people that were given that power over other humans, uh, it's about the psychology of uh, basically getting power hungry and power mad, and like, oh, I'm in charge of you. You got to do this, do that, all that sort of bullshit. But they were fed little bits of information about it, like, you know, make this person do this. Yeah. And then they just did it. And then seeing how the prisoner also reacts to being told what to do and stuff like that. She, well, you would, I, you would think that the fact that it was a flip of a coin that decided which group were the haves and which side were the have-nots. You would think if you were the guard, yeah. well, this is just a flip of a coin. I could easily have been in that position. You think there might be some empathy there, but clearly not. What? Do you reckon you'd go on a torturous rampage? I don't think I would, no. I'm just saying uh, I bet the people who did didn't think they would at the beginning either. Uh, now, yeah, also, it, it... how old are they? They're like 18. I mean, I'm 32. I, no fucker's going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. I don't Even if I'm going to a college course now, if I signed up for university yeah. and a, a professor said, do this, I'd be like, no, 
because that's shit. But I can imagine being younger. That's the, yeah, but that that's true. Yeah, but uh, young minds are for molding. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's a reason so that I me reckon... and you are not in the uh, first list on the draft if it ever happens. That's true. I reckon I'd be going. I'd, I'd be going ape shit. Boy. Oh, would you I'd go be, on torturous rampage? Make... Yeah, yeah. I'd be making people take their socks off, walk through broken glass, um, doing all sorts of stuff like that, burning their hair off. I go on a mad one. Oh well, that's nice to to know. You know yeah. Right? How's Nat doing? Maybe. In isolation. <laughs> yeah, she's all right. We won't talk about her. I'll do. Um, I'll be doing like atomic wedgies, but like hanging them from coat hooks. Okay. Nice. Just constantly for like 12, 13 hours. All right. I Not... think that's a good technique. It's quite fun, isn't it? It's a fun one. Well, yeah. If you if you enjoy that kind of thing, I suppose uh, that's a, it's a good way to go. I definitely think well, that, I if I was in I... even the electric shock thing, I'd be like, no. I suppose it's a different time as well, though, isn't it? Like in that um, Milgram experiment was in uh, 61. Oh, okay. So, uh, I don't know. People were very uh, much more trusting of authority and um, government and stuff back then. I think it, that's the time period... Uh, where you could expect to be treated like shit to get a job, that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Women would yeah. probably know hey, if I want to get this job, I'm gonna have to flirt and show a bit of leg. Whatever. Yeah. So it's a different time. I think if someone went into an office now and said, "Well, you may have to perform extra duties," they go, "Yeah, I'm gonna get in touch with your HR department, and you're gonna be fired and <laughs> never get a job again." So I think people are definitely more for standing up for morals these days. Not not you, obviously. That's fine. Each to their own. Well, well yeah. If someone's going to question me, I'm going to squirt chilli sauce all over their bellend. That's another torture. Oh, how did you think of that one? Have you accidentally <laughs> mixed up a lube it. bottle with the chilli bottle once and gone, oh, that hurts like hell, but for future reference, that's a good torture. <laughs> Oh. Right, have well, you got anything else? <laughs> no, I think we should move on. We're 45 minutes deep into this thing. Fuck. Yeah, I know. I thought this was going to be a short episode, but we're going to go now I do, yeah. and talk about the master of the macabre. Yes. Master of the macabre. Welcome to the Master of the Macabre. We choose our favourite actor or actress from whatever film we're talking about at the time, which today just happens to be Await Further Instructions. Who have you got, Jimmy? Have you got one or two or three? I've only got the one. Okay, so have I. And I usually have an idea of who you're going to get or who you're going to choose, sorry. But I haven't got a clue to this. So I'm out of breath. I've just run up (laughs) down my garden getting plants and I forgot to get that. I'm dying in the cold. Give me a sec. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I've gone for David Bradley. Granddad? Yeah. Okay, go on then, explain. Because uh, I, didn't, I didn't know who you were going to pick either. And, um, he was not the person I thought you were going to pick. Uh, okay, so the dad might have been my second choice, but I don't think, I don't think he was great. 
Nick and Angie, I don't think they were very well acted. The sister, I don't think it was very well acted. The oaf was okay, but how hard is it to act like an oaf? Granddad nailed it. Okay. Uh, Plus, uh, David Bradley is a legend. Have you seen anything else of him in? Oh, I know you have. Do you know what else he's in? He's in Afterlife. Have you seen Afterlife on Netflix? He's Tony's dad. Brilliant. Yeah, second second series comes out tomorrow, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yeah. He's Filch in the Harry Potter films. Yes. He's been in a few Simon Pegg, Nick Frost films. He's been in Game of Thrones. He was in the first Captain America film, the first Avenger, I think it's called. He was in Harry Brown with Michael Caine. My name is Michael Caine. Michael Caine. He was in the 2008 Discworld miniseries that I didn't even know existed and I am now on the hunt for. It's called The Colour of Magic. It also has David Jason and Tim Curry in it and I never heard of it before. Yeah, it was um, it was on um, it was on the BBC over Christmas some year. Uh, was it good? I didn't watch it. I don't like Terry Pratchett. Oh well, well, I I don't think it will. I don't know how they could ever make anything in Discworld into a TV series that works. It's very abs. It's like difficult to do. Anyway, we're not talking about that. Yeah, now. I don't understand the word and how it's. I don't. Ha- I don't understand it. Understand what the world. The way the the way it's all written and stuff is very confusing to me. I've tried to read a few Terry Pratchett books, but I just it's just all very confusing for my tiny mind to understand. Did you say Terry or Cherry? Because Terry Pratchett was his porno book name. <laughs> I said Terry, but okay. uh, yeah. Anyway, he was in uh, a 2004 film called Exorcist. Exorcist colon the beginning. Right. Have you seen that? No, I haven't Sounds seen that. Sounds shit from what I've read, so I'm not going to watch that. But he is a great actor. He's by far, I think, the best actor to be in this film, whether you think his performance is the best or not. But overall, as far as uh, credentials and skills go, he's packing way more heat than anyone else. Not that the competition puts up much of a fight anyway. So, who have you got? Okay, well, I've got... Um, and let, let's just clarify that this is the master of the macabre. And I don't think Grandad was in it for very long, and he wasn't. I don't know. He wasn't. Wasn't. He was good. But I don't think he was a master of the macabre. Oh, so I... I've gone with. Yeah. So I've gone with Grant Masters, who played Tony. Okay. Yeah, he was. Who has? Yeah, who ha- His character has gone from this. This man who clearly hates his son, his wife doesn't really like him. Um, he's a very controlling man, and he's controlling because his dad, David Bradley, was quite abusive towards him, and then he's become this character. He's like, yeah, I'm the head of the family now, and then as soon as this disaster has struck, he's gone straight from one end of the spectrum right to the other of being absolutely batshit fucking crazy and then right at the end uh, getting reanimated by the whatever it is the entity or whatever we call it and then yeah by the TV and then he's being puppeted around I think he looks I think that looks very good I think he's done it very well um yeah and i think he was he's, i for me i think he was the best 
character in it out of a very slim pickings. Okay. He's into like he's done all the fucking he's done all the British shit, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Hollyoaks, East Enders, family affairs. But in 2019, he's in a fucking wicked film called Dark Encounters and if you haven't seen it I urge you to watch it it's on Prime sounds like a film about dogging it's not about dogging but go and give it a watch if you've got time it's I don't want to give away too much but it's kind of it's kind of alien-y but actually it starts off with a sort of an abduction yeah of a child and then it's a bit alienate and then it becomes a little bit something else and it's very good and he plays a very good character in it and he's, his acting has gone from Hollyoaks level to almost straight to streaming level ooh it'll be aiming for the cinemas next even if it's just a well, streaming film yeah. that's in there for a few weeks yeah I think he's missed his chance okay though. so let's give Tony the master of the macabre but agree that David Bradley's better overall I think, yeah, I think David Bradley's as got the actor. credential as an actor. He was better playing the that old stuck-in-the-way racist granddad. But, yeah, I think I think you've got to get... For, for Master of the Macabre, you've got to give it to, to Grant Masters. Okay. I'm not S- budging on that. Send him his medal, then. I'll send him his medal. Yeah, will do. And you definitely need to check out Dark Encounters. Okay. Everyone. Cool. I will, probably. Where is it? I can't go to the cinema. Prime. All right, okay. That's all right then. The home cinema. <laughs> I can watch it there. Yeah. Yes. Right. Let's piss off, Jimmy, to the Madhouse rating system. Lovely. The Madhouse rating system. Right, stay indoors. And this is your next instruction. It's the Madhouse Racing System. First up, we've got tension and suspense. The early tension in await further instructions comes from the family's strained relationships and differing opinions on worldviews. Nick is clearly more open-minded than the rest of his family, and he brings home a girl who is... uh, well, like I said earlier, so along the lines of in the family's mind, uh, most definitely brown. I don't think they see much more in her than that, even though she's a trained medic and they don't use that when they need it. But that issue stirs up some commotion and does set a good basis for the rest of the film's themes of mistrust and starts the division of the family off before any threat is even present. The film was made in 2018. Two years after Britain had its divisive referendum and right in the middle of a time when the nation was split in opinions, suffering its own divide, and this film is mirroring that those same sort of issues that were causing tensions in families all across the country at the time. It's also set in a British home at Christmas, which can always be a bit of a strange time anyway. All these tensions between family members are pushed to broken point as soon as they realise they cannot get out of their house. One thing I did like that this film kind of shone a light on is that there are people in the film who believe exactly what they see on a screen without questioning its source or motivation, while there are others that instead of reading it and believing it, they question it and think for themselves. 
they won't accept this new reality they are in, and they try to come up with new plans. The film is basically running, uh, like we said, a social commentary on how the once absurdly strange can become the new norm and how easy it is for some people to fall in line and accept the word of authority when faced with dire situations. It also shows how people can switch and change. There are a few times where people are questioning what they previously thought, switch allegiances within the house, etc. And all the tension comes from those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Can we give it a star for tension and suspense? I don't think we can. I think... We could give it half a star for the writing of the tension and suspense. The writing, the writing, yeah, the writing's good. It is very good social commentary on how some people are controlled by what they see on their screens. And uh, kind of but... mirroring... It's kind of mirroring the English household in 2018. Even now, things seem to have settled down now because we're all joined together in battling coronavirus. I think I'd do, I think I'd do all right trapped in a house with my family for a couple of days. Yeah, we're doing okay here. I mean, but there you go. I'd give it half a star, to be honest, if I was... Um, well, I am picking one. I was about to say if I'm picking, but I am. I choose half a star. What do you choose? Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, I'd say half a star. I mean, the the the, twi- the twist of it being that something's in the telly or or an alien uh, being that or an alien race that's controlling this or anything. Um, I would like to have seen it maybe without that aspect and just the family just killing them, killing each other. I think that would be a completely different film. They didn't have to uh, bring out that entity at the end, did they? They could have had everyone just killing each other. But then you wouldn't have had the, yeah, the bit at the end with the baby ready to be indoctrined into this new religion, slavery thing, whatever's happening. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, let's uh, let's give it let's give it half a star. Okay. Um, what's my line? Uh, it sounds so nice. Right, geezers, next up, gore slash visual effects. Is that how you talk? Right then, right then, geezers, next up, we got that gore and visual effects. <laughs> you plonkers. Is that, is that right? Am I right? Nearly there? Yeah, right, yeah, it went bad, it went bad. So, did you ever watch Twilight Zone episodes? Yeah. Yeah, I felt yeah, like yeah. this film had a Twilight Zone feel to it. Not that I've seen it myself for a, a very long time. <laughs> or it had a 10 Cloverfield Lane feel to it as well. Because they're, oh, in, okay. in, they're in that bunker. Have you seen it? Yes. Uh, yeah, with... Um... Thingy Mabob. You know what I mean. John Goodman. Yes, John Goodman. Yeah, and that's really good. Yeah, he's got... yeah that is really good. Uh, but the feel of it had, like, uh, the visual effects were very enclosed and, and the camera work was a bit similar. The Twilight Zone feel, I think, came from the absurdity of it and the lighting. Uh, most of the, fe- the effects yeah. don't happen until the last act. That uh, The creature that Angie finds in the old TV is cool. It reminds me of a, a little creature computer thing from a film called Existence, which I think came out in the 90s about... Uh, like a living computer things. It's very, very strange. 
But the cable monster thing looks awesome, especially when it creeps and crawls into Tony's dead body and moves him around like a morbid puppet. Made me think, is this another puppet film, really? (laughs) (laughs) The mum blowing up in the bathroom. That was nice. Bit of blood splatter is always good. The cable stripping the flesh off the dead Kate's body, leaving the baby behind. Brilliant visual effect. Yes, very, very weird, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, It was nice. It, it was just uh, well done, unexpected, kind of cringy, but not really because the baby was fine. The baby was way cleaner than a baby would ever be that's just been in a, a womb. But, you know, those cables worked magic. Uh, the TV being brought in to entertain with the little colours and stuff, nice little effects going on there. Other than the tone of the film's ambience, uh, which is set up kind of from the, the glow from the TV screen in the living room, it kind of, uh, it's sending its messages and it works quite well because it's bathing the whole of that central room full of all the characters in its glow, in that colour. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, all all the visual effects that would be worth giving it a decent score for happen in the third act, the the last sections of the film. Yeah, uh, I thought the the cable-y monster uh, with his arms flinging about or whatever. I thought that looked a bit shit and a bit tacky. Yeah. Um but the but the um yeah, but the the other bits, like when it goes into Tony's neck and he's walking him around like a puppet, that's very good. I think that looks great. When um fucking Flyboy gets his hand cut off at the door and he's trying to pop it through the fanny in the door yeah. and he loses all his fingers, that looked good. Uh the points I think oh, might yeah, be worth yeah. thinking about. Tony Puppet. Done good, yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Baby left in the skeletal womb. That was done well. That looked great, yeah. Is it... What, is it Karen, the wife? I've forgotten her name. Beth. Beth, blown up in the bathroom. Looks good, but... Yeah. Horror film visual effect, like, 101. Do you know what I mean? You better have that one yeah. in the bag anyway. <laughs> Same with the fingers being cut yeah. off. You've got to have the yeah. the first thing they teach you on Gore Holiday makeup school. I'm guessing yeah. is how to make it look like you've got half a finger that's spurting a bit of blood. So it looked yeah. good, but I would I I expect it to. That's do you know what I mean? It didn't go beyond what I would ever expect of any horror film where someone's finger was chopped off or someone exploded against yeah. a bathroom window. Yeah, I imagine it was the budget, but there we go. Well, so, right, so what are you going to give it? I give it half star. Yeah, I'll give it half, yeah. Okay. Right. Next up, we've got musical score and sound effects. Sure, let's do that next. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quick one anyway. It's a good soundtrack, so it does deserve mentioning. Obviously, we have it as part of our whole uh what's this called rating <laughs> rating system overview. yes the rating yeah. overview has a section for musical score and sound effects if we didn't i probably wouldn't be talking about it but one thing i want to point out is that the soundtrack does have like heartbeats 
sounds beating throughout, giving us a clue and giving me a, a chance to use my favorite word, foreshadow. Of the Oh, I've missed all these. The living nature of the threat outside the house. So that's a cool addition. Other than that, it, it's a good score. You know, I'd probably go half a star again, to be honest. Uh, it's your call. I'd say no. I'd say no straight off the bat. I don't. I. I don't remember any heartbeats or anything. Uh, oh, I'm not denying that they're there. I'm not a Holocaust denier or anything, or a heartbeat denier. <laughs> oh, that's next. Your shout, the wacky your, conspiracy your people, the nut jobs, are going to do the. You know what? We don't even have hearts. That's just what the uh, the bloody media wants you to believe. That'll be, ne- that'll be next. You'll have people yeah, out probably. on the steps of uh, official buildings stabbing themselves in the chest to prove that they didn't have a heart. <laughs> anyway. Go uh, on, I'm, I'm, I'm backing you on this one. What are you saying? Uh, no, no stars. Sweet. Right, so next up, I believe, is the performance. <laughs> yep. There's not much to say about the performance either, Jimmy. Uh, mediocre. Yes, yes, terrible, uh, stereotypical, uh, yeah, ste- just stereotypical, surely, isn't it? Yeah, and just some of it was just bad. It was, there's no other way of being nice about it, I'm yeah. afraid. There was just, yeah. oh, I don't even, I, I mean, it sounds harsh, but like GCSE A-level type acting, some of yeah. it was good. Some of it was very low effort. There were points where the only thing that could have made it feel more fake would have been if they'd looked directly at the camera or a boom mic had twatted someone in their head. But at least that would have been comically bad instead of just dire. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like most of the, I think most of these people have done their, that, that old standard British run of. Doctors. Shit, like Hollyoaks and Casualty and shit like that. Yeah. But, but, wow, I don't think you can hold that against them, but... Yeah, I don't... I didn't like... I didn't like the characters, really. They're not... They're not very good. They picked... Uh, from, like, the character playbook, and they all played it straight to that. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You're the oaf. Yeah. You're the ditzy pregnant one. You're the woke one. You're the racist yeah. granddad. You're the guy who's desperate to try and prove his dad wrong and step up. Yeah. And you're the uh uh what's the uh what's the you're, word? You're the you're you're the you're the Indian girlfriend that the, the family are not gonna like and they that's gonna kick off something. Yeah, but also you're playing like the educated person that everyone underestimates. As well, there's always yeah. that character. There's so, always someone like who who they should be asking, but they're not. And yeah, and you should be speaking yeah, up and saying, "Excuse me, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. This is what you need to do." Yeah, but yeah. They, don't, they just and stay locked in a room. Char- yeah, yeah. And there's that other character going, "Oh, but you're foreign. And you don't know what you're doing. You know, just coming over, stealing our jobs, and then they go, "Well, actually, I'm a fucking doctor." Yeah, sorry. Yeah, if you are um, you a doctor and can't get a job because I've got your job, <laughs> or yeah, are you an oaf? 
Yeah, who works at fucking Lidl. Not that that's a bad thing, 100%. Lidl is like the best retail job you can get. Yeah, I know. But I get your point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I worked retail for a long time and I dreamt about getting to Lidl. Never made it. Oh, same. <laughs> right. right, I'm saying no. I'm saying no star. Yes, but does that mean we're on one, one now? We're on. Uh, yeah, we're on one. Tension and suspense got half. Go on, visual effects got half. Performance didn't get one, and music didn't get one. So yeah, we're on one out of five. We go for all overall experience right. then. Sorry, Nick, your overall. line. Hey, sorry, I nicked your line. What's next, Jimmy? Go. Oh. It's uh, overall experience. How does it make you feel, boy? Okay, so the, I thought the writing was good. The premise was good. The effects and the set were all good. They were fine. And it was just the performances. They could have lifted this film, and they didn't. And I feel like a little bitch for saying it, but some of it really sucked. <laughs> yeah. It hit on so many social points from different points of view, from politics, religion, subservience to authority, just a plethora of stuff, and I like it. Dad represents the old way of thinking, the son's the new generation. Kind of, uh, there's a woke society thing going in there, and there's the the bit at the end, uh, the baby at the end, sorry, is like the future that could be anything, but already has a screen and a media showing it what the world wants it to see. It, it, it's well, yeah, this baby's going to be brought up by the TV screen, basically, which is obviously well, yeah. uh, another bit yeah, of social commentary. Are, yeah, which is what what kids and that are now, aren't they? They they're born with a fucking smartphone in their hands and yeah, shit like that. So I think that's a good good shout. So I liked a, a lot of this, but I find it hard to like the film. Uh, yeah. Ah, I'm fucking torn. I'm torn. Yeah. I feel like like it, and I should give it an A for effort. Do you know what I mean? Because if the casting had been better, this film would have been incredible. Especially what they did with the budget they had. They had no budget. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'd give it a half um, from my side, making it a one and a half out of five. I think I say leave it one and a half. Okay. Like I, I would recommend it to other people. I'd say give it a watch. See what you think about it. It's an, it is an enjoyable watch. It's not. It's not a drag. You know. It's an hour and a half. It is. It is. It'll pass an hour and a half of your time in lockdown, and yeah. it's quite relevant in the minute. We're all we're all trapped in our houses. It is. That's quite nice little fun thing. Yeah, and we are all awaiting further instructions, literally, from the Prime, yeah, basically, the Prime yeah. Minister who seems to be hiding now because uh, he's been ill for weeks, if he's still ill. Way longer than most people are ill with this virus. We've got Dominic Raab telling us what to do at the moment. Anyway, that's not relevant. <laughs> right, so I say we leave... 2018 to wait further instructions with uh, one and a half stars. I say go and watch it and uh, let us know what you think about it as we're all trapped. What you should do before you watch this film is rewatch some primary school 
like Christmas plays on your old VHS or DVD or something so that your expectations of acting standards are lowered. Then That's wa- true. Then watch yeah. this film and it might seem pleasantly well acted to you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Here's, yeah, here's a good one. Get uh, yeah, yeah. Get your kids to put on a little play. And I don't mean your kids. I mean just kids in general. Put on a little play, watch them, and then watch this film and it'll be 20 times better. Yeah, definitely. Like watching the masters. Yeah. Just got to lower your expectations. Anyway. 100%. I would, uh, yeah. I would. It's one of those films you would recommend to a friend with some side notes. <laughs> You'll like yeah, it, definitely. but <laughs> you just have to get over this and that. And yeah. Plus there's that weird scene where they were laying in a field for like two minutes that had absolutely no place in this film yeah oh yeah that was like um yeah that was a very confusing moment made no sense anyway I think like, I don't know whether it, don't know whether it was a dream or whether it was um angie has been like it the the thing is making angie think that this is a world if you worship us or whatever i don't know the weird know, one. You know me, I absolutely hate a dream sequence anyway, so they can bollocks chucking that thing in there. Yeah, that was that was unnecessary. It they could have got rid yeah, of that. It didn't even make any sense. It didn't help the plot. It didn't help the story in nah. any way. That was filler. Yeah. Anyway, we're done. One and a half stars for await further instructions. I will not await sequels. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, we, we are done aren't we Jimmy nothing else to do no that's it on this one well except you've got you got to shout out your next film in you shit uh, we're going to pause for 10 seconds while I pick a DVD off my shelf <laughs> right I'm back with my choice I've used a backup that I usually have it's on Netflix this one so you can watch it without having to go out to a shop. Not that anyone buys films from a shop anymore. Anyway, are you ready for description? Yeah, go for it. A mother, desperate to reconnect with her troubled daughter, becomes embroiled. Let's see how I'm giving you a space to jump in here. In the urban legend of a demonic witch. Fuck. Go on, say that again. A mother, desperate to reconnect with her troubled daughter, becomes embroiled in the urban legend of a demonic witch. Fucking hell, my mind's gone blank. I know you've seen this one as well. Oh, bollocks. I'm going to give you a clue. uh, Yeah. Because I asked you once what you thought of this film. It was on a short list of films I was going to watch one night and I couldn't pick between a few. And you narrowed it down to two for me, and this was one of them. Oh, shit. Which? Nah, fuck. I don't know. Don't knock twice. Oh, don't knock fucking twice. Just don't knock twice. I think don't knock fucking twice was the working title. That's the, uh, yeah, that's the remake. Uh, Yeah. 
Really, it's only 2016. This 2016, not twice, is what we're doing next time. And we're so long on this episode, so I'm going to call time a death. Don't forget to email us if you feel like it, at outlook.com. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. Just search for The Madhouse Podcast or at The Madhouse Podcast. Share our podcast around. Subscribe, like, rate, review. Do all those things that all the people who know what they're talking about on YouTube and stuff say for you to do but for us. And we will see you next time. Don't knock twice. Yeah, boy. Shit, hold on. <laughs> right, uh...